Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Oh, man. So by now you have seen what has happened to the Ole Miss football program. Losing to Vandy on the road. Uh, yeah, everything was just god awful but hey good news is we're here to talk about it and we're joined by the ghost of jay cutler who is driving and he is graced us with his presence once again gray hardison is with us for the sunday edition of podcast rebellion where we are hungover and angry so fellas what up it is just uh i guess it's like I'm just proud that uh, none of us were found wandering the street. I know you all were in Nashville, uh, and I was in Austin, but none of us were found wandering the streets of our, our cities at 4 o'clock this morning, rambling incoherently, uh, probably in need of like a straitjacket or something. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, driving back to Washington from, uh, from Nashville, and so I'm definitely glad that I uh, – uh, decided to spend 22 hours of my weekend driving to watch Ole Miss lose to Vanderbilt. It was a wise choice, if I do say so, um, because we did we did get to enjoy some fellowship and some Popeyes and some bourbon. We did, but yeah. uh, <laughs> after all of that, uh, yeah, it all went to hell real quick. Um, so starting things off, uh, we're only going to talk about things we hated. We might talk about some things that we liked late. Uh, but, yeah, there was nothing really to like about this game. Uh, started off with a bang. The defense, who boy, where to start. Uh, Ghost, go ahead and give us give us your breakdown since you were in person with me. Oh, man. Uh, well, if we're just talking about the defense, I mean, it's it's kind of the problem we've seen them have all year. I mean, what you saw yesterday shouldn't surprise you. I mean, I guess given that it was Vanderbilt and they are very one-dimensional, it was really frustrating to see how well they passed on Ole Miss. There were some, definitely some blown coverages. I mean, this secondary does give up big plays. And the defensive line really struggles at – and line, but really the front seven struggles with plays that are designed with either misdirection or that go to the edge. I mean, uh, teams can really beat Ole Miss by moving the ball outside of the hash marks and uh, getting upfield, even if it's just for a few yards. Uh, they struggled against that all year, and uh, they struggled again last night uh, against Vanderbilt. And, Gray, since uh, you had the pleasure of watching it on the television, uh, did it look any better uh, on a screen, or was it just all terrible, too? No, it looked equally, as, as, as just described, it, it looked equally awful. Uh, I mean, I, I guess what's frustrating, well, it's not frustrating at this point. It's beyond that. Is that I, I think last week I said after the A and M game in the second half, you know, the, I thought the defense played really, really well against Texas A and M in the second half, and I was I made the mistake of saying that maybe they had uh, 
turn some type of corner and to, to show that they're finally progressing and slightly getting better. And it turns out, no, no, they're not. They're just bad. And that's, I don't know, there's nothing that can be done about that this year. They're just, mercifully, there's only one more game to watch them be bad in. It, it starts at the, at the top and it, it, it trickles all the way down. Uh, we, we've discussed it to quite an extent this year of how poor the coaching has been on the defensive side of the ball. And I think last night uh, was the perfect example of that. You saw a Vanderbilt team that was playing inspired and a Vanderbilt coaching staff that made adjustments, almost jumped out to an early 10 nothing lead. And then Vandy made some adjustments, made some, tw- uh, some tweaks here and there. Um, it didn't help that almost completely abandoned the run game. Uh, we'll get to that here in a second, but yeah, it was, uh, it was just, it was just bad. The secondary, had lapses once again, blown coverages, and the linebacker play was abysmal, as ha- <clears throat> as has been the case all year. Um, staying on that side of the ball, man, the the Land Sharks, they are nowhere to be found. Um, you know, aside from uh, the linebackers, our favorite thing, Gray, has been the blown coverage, uh, the tradition of the blown coverage. Uh, once again, it happened. Well, it, what's great about the what we thought was the blown coverage last night, I the long pass play that uh, Derek Jones gave up, I had the same reaction. I was like, oh, there it is, on schedule, the blown coverage you know, that gives the other team 60 free yards. Uh, actually, uh, not to well actually, but uh, <laughs> Jones's coverage was – like he didn't blow it. He was like so bad. It, it got – they threw a double move at him, and he was so bad at responding to the double move, it actually looked like blown coverage, like he, there was some sort of miscommunication. No, he just got he just got roasted. But uh, like you said, it, <laughs> none of it was good outside of a couple nice plays from uh, DJ Jones and Benito Jones. They're really, they're really just – there was nothing. They gave us pretty much nothing, and uh, I, I – <laughs> I, well, I take the back. Those Fidal Brown had one play, but outside of those three guys, I don't think anybody played even an average game. Yeah, Bob, uh, we were there. We saw it in person. I mean, the uh, the holes in the defense. We 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 had a spectacular view, I will say. Um, but along with the blown coverages in the secondary, the tackling, particularly in space, was just awful. Um, I mean, you were there. Give us, give us some, some, some on the ground insight. Well, you know, to Bandy's credit, I mean, they're, they're, they do have a, a, you know, some good backs that are really good at uh, fighting for extra yards and making people kind of like what we see out of Akeem Judd. Um, and I guess that's a, a topic for another minute. But the, uh, yeah, they just were able to get guys open in space, and then they were able to avoid being tackled in one-on-one situations. It was really – and that's on – let's give Vandy credit, but it's also on the defense. Like, I just don't get where this lack of tackling comes from. It could be an experience thing, uh, but it could just be a talent thing. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, Ole Miss used to have good fundamental tacklers in the uh, in the secondary, and the guys that have replaced the Cody Pruitts and Sinquez Dolsons uh, just haven't been able to do that. Yeah, we, we talked about it a little bit uh... – Last night after the game, as we were stumbling back to uh, to the car and to break down the, the, the tent and everything, but 
the coaching is evident. The coaching is a given. Everybody knows about how bad Dave Womack and the defensive staff have been preparing this team week in and week out. But we were we we were talking about it last night. And my, my my dog Cooper agrees um, that that it was just effort, effort and execution. And and I don't know what that stems from. That lack of effort and just the it was just so bad. I don't know how it's gotten to that point, Bob. We were talking about it, and I just don't get it. Yeah, this used to be a team like, uh, you know, early on under Hugh Freeze, you know, talking three, four years ago, this was a team that looked like it gave a damn every single week. And uh, I haven't seen that. They they played with a lot of emotion uh, and, uh, you know, that sort of intensity against Texas A&M, sure. But this Vandy game, no, it wasn't there. Uh, and I'm not sure – if that's just an attitude issue, if that's coaching. I mean, but it, it's definitely a marked departure from what we've seen from this program just a few years ago. And we, Greg, you and I talked about it last week after the huge road win over, you know, a quote-unquote top 10 Texas A&M team. And we were, we were kind of, maybe we were trying to convince ourselves, I don't know. But, I mean, the team looked very different, but maybe that – this team would rally around the freshman quarterback and they would try to win out and maybe try to go to a decent bowl game. But man, it was, uh, boy, were we wrong. Oh, extremely wrong. Yeah. I saw, I know y'all, y'all wouldn't have seen it, but last night at some point I saw someone posted freezes post game, little five minutes, you know, where it takes questions from the media. And he just said, I think, one of the first things he said was he uh, he actually apologized to the team because he said he didn't have them ready to play and 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 didn't have them in the, I guess in the right place they needed to be in order to to win the game. Um, but yeah, I I still I guess this goes back to what I said earlier. I I just don't understand how they played so well in the second half against what we assume is a better team in Texas A and M, and then they just they brought nothing. None of that to the game last night. None of the effort. None of the execution. I just, I don't. It blows me away. I guess. I guess I probably shouldn't at this point. You know, eleven games into the season, I guess I shouldn't be um, because we know what they are, and uh, they've outside of Texas A, second half of A and M, they've given us very little evidence to think that they're not going to be just bad at what they do. It's definitely a. a, a it's definitely a bad sign when your coach uh, openly admits to being outcoached by Vanderbilt staff in year five. Uh, it's not good. Not a good look, Bob. No, it's, it's not good. And uh, it makes you wonder, um, you know, what has ha- – is there sort of this odd complacency? Is there – I mean, yeah, they overlooked Vanderbilt, you know, but why? What, what caused them to do that? And I don't know if it's – I don't want to think they're looking forward to the Egg Bowl or something like that. Um, yeah, I'm just not sure. Um, it, but it, but it's certainly, if you're an Ole Miss fan, it's not what you expected uh, given what we've seen out of this program in the past. And, it, and it, was, it was certainly, you know, it was disappointing because, uh, I mean, Bob, we were there. And, and, you know, the Ole Miss fans showed up. There was a good bit of, of road revs in attendance, and I think that that A&M game had, you know, kind of 
rejuvenated the, the, the program a little bit. And I think the fan base was excited. I think they were looking forward to these last two games. And, I, I, I mean, now uh, you're going to have to scratch and claw to win an Egg Bowl against a, a Mississippi State team that's not good, but they score a lot of points and they put up a ton of yards. And we all know Ole Miss's defense is very good at giving up those two things. So, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, it, the Mississippi State's got better as the season has gone along, and Ole Miss has done the exact opposite. It, it's what a, a month ago, a month and a half ago, you would have thought Ole Miss was going to walk in and, you know, beat State by, you know, 20 points in Oxford. Now, a lot of Ole Miss fans, myself included, are wondering if they've got the guts to go out there and win the dang egg bowl. I'm not sure they can. So, we, we we could fill up hours and hours of uh, uh, of hot takes on this podcast about the defense. Um, switching gears here, going back over to the offense, uh, I, I think wide receiver use endowment has been bankrupted. Uh, someone stole all of it and didn't even leave a note saying where they're taking it. Um, the receivers were bad, guys. Um, fire at me with with you, the hottest of takes on, on what you think caused that. Uh, Cause I have no answer. I have, yeah, I, I, I can see, uh, you know, you have a group as talented as they are. You can always see like one guy not having a good game. Like that's, that's just going to happen. But it was, this is really unbelievable. It's just the perfect storm of all other than uh, Evan Ingram, who, I mean, he was really wasn't there much in the first half and he came on later, but, uh, other than Ingram, they were all just – I mean, they had to have had probably the worst games of their careers. I mean, at least at Ole Miss. I mean, they they couldn't get open. They couldn't – and when they – the few times they did manage to find some space, they couldn't catch it. I mean, I who I, I never saw an official tally of how many times – they how many passes uh, we ended up dropping, but it had to be north of 10. I mean, and it's just the group that uh, is your strongest group on the team when they all when they collectively have the worst performance they've ever had, uh, that's a good way to just completely strangle your own offense. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, you talk about drops and you know, uh I didn't keep uh I tried to keep a running tally, but after a while you kinda get disheartened and stopped. Uh but I I wanna go back and look and I don't know if I have the guts to do it, but go back and look and see how many drops were there, A, and B, how many of those would have converted a first down? Because there were a lot of drives that were cut very short when a receiver simply just dropped a pass on third down that would have been a first down catch. You wonder if even half of those drives uh, could have been sustained, how many touchdowns Ole Miss could have scored. It was certainly They certainly would have scored more than 17 points. And so I'm not trying to play – all of the burden on the receivers. It's obviously a team sport, and there's obviously coaches that have to manage the team, but but uh, it was very bad, and, and drop passes killed a couple of what could have been good drives. It was it, – it was. It, I think at one point I had gotten to 10, and, and like you said, Bob, I, I just quit counting, but it was uh, – like they were just not only just drops that were either wide open or just hit them right in the numbers, but, yeah, like you were alluding to, they were huge drops that were going to keep drives alive. And when you're on the road and you're behind 
and you have a young quarterback who's running for his life back there, you have to be able to convert those third downs. And and the and we'll get into it here in a second, but a lot of them were third and shorts. And I, and I'm fine with 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 trying to put the ball into the hands of your playmakers because like we all talked to talked about um or I guess spoken to the point that the, the receivers have been the best unit on this team all season long. And that's fine to to try to convert using your playmakers, but yeah, when when you have big drops and you can't stay on the field and and extend drives, it, it hurts you. Um but moving on to the next point on offense that was just a head scratcher was how they just completely abandoned the run game. Uh we were in the stadium and we were kind of shaking our heads uh, about it, Bob. I think you told me that Keem Judd had 60 yards at halftime and there was just a great mix of it early on in the first couple drives where Shea would hit a couple couple out routes here and there. He'd hit people over the middle and then they'd mix it in a Keem Judd zone read or in a Keem, jump, Keem Judd dive. Uh, it was working well and, and the offense, you know, 10 nothing lead. You think, all right, like, Bandy will probably fold here, won't they? And, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't uh, – I don't know. You'll have to give me an answer because, uh, once again, I do not have one why they took – basically took Akeem Judd out of the game. Yeah, look, I don't know if anybody knows the answer to that. Um, aside from – I just have this general theory that uh, football coaches think too hard and they try to – you know, it's game theory, right? So they're trying to think, well, what's the guy on the other sideline thinking and, and what, he, what is he thinking that I'm thinking? And they just kind of overcomplicate their decision-making, right? Because, you know, it's still a game of, of tackling and blocking and, and moving the ball forward. So when Akeem Judd has got 60, well, I think it's like 61 yards at the half and was averaging like seven yards a carry, it's like, why, why stop that? I mean, clearly it was working. And I don't think that Bandy was going to do anything that much different on defense what they were already doing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and even if they were doing something different, how effective could it have been? I'm not sure. I, I think what you saw was a classic example of coaches overthinking a pretty simple situation. Yeah, I, I, was, I was looking at the A&M stats from last week, and – Against A&M, we basically trailed pretty much the whole game, but we still ran the we ran the ball 47 times. Uh, now, granted, some of those I, I, I don't know eight six eight of them were were Patterson scrambles, but we stuck with it. 47 runs against 42 passes last week, and this week we ran the ball 27 times. Now I know that that category or that number is lower because especially in the fourth fourth quarter we just had to throw nonstop. But it's just more baffling when we talked about the receivers couldn't get open, they were dropping passes, offensive line couldn't block anybody for most of the night. And you had something that was working, and they just, yeah, they just, I don't know, out, outthought themselves, I guess. And, and after the game, I saw Mason mention, they asked him, you know, what did, you know, basically, what did you do on defense? And he said they essentially played their too high safety look, which that's going to take away deep plays, and, and, but they didn't come out of it. And if they're playing too high safety, that's an invitation to run the ball. Run it. Make them, make them go to one safety or no safety or whatever. But they just insisted on we're just going to keep throwing into uh, this too high safety look and not give a guy who's averaging half a first down a carry. 
that was what was so crazy to me. And and you saw it sitting on your couch at home. Uh, myself, Smeargle, Bob, we saw it in the stadium. Okay, you're going to go too high. Yeah, run the ball. Force them to make an adjustment because Akeem was just slicing the defense the entire first quarter, basically the first half. And they go too high. Well, make an adjustment yourself. Run the football. Make them bring an extra guy down in the box. And then you throw it vertical. It, it's 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 mind-blowing uh, that we as fans can see that, but it's almost like the Ole coaches are just completely numb to it. Um, moving away from, from the offense and, and going – or I guess not moving away. We'll, we'll stick with the offense because it was bad too. Uh, the offensive line play. Um, it, it, Shea Patterson was running for his life the whole game. Uh, some of it was maybe leaving the pocket a little too early, but you know, I I, I don't know. I, I think Vandy made adjustments and just started blitzing like crazy because they figured that Ole Miss had abandoned the run game, and yeah, they made the offensive line look bad. So, fellas, uh, give me your take on on how in the world. Uh, Matt Luke can save his job. <laughs> oh, Matt Luke's going to save his job because uh, Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze loved him, and or I don't know if he loves. Maybe, maybe he loves But uh, his loyalty, he's that. That's going to save Matt Luke's job. But and I'll say that the the offensive line and, and about Patterson bailing out of the pocket early. I mean, I think a lot of that was a result of early on. He you know knew he he instantly saw he wasn't going to have any time to throw. So then it got in his head. So he started bailing early. Uh, but and this is my last hot take on the offensive line is we've had the same problem on the offensive line for five years. All five years have been freeze. We struggle to run at times. Pass blocking becomes a problem because they know we can't run. And there's three consistencies in the offensive line. Uh, Hugh Freeze, Dan Warner, and Matt Luke. All three of those guys have a hand in that. And so your problem is somewhere in those three. And I have a pretty good idea which one it is, but uh, I – I don't think it's going to change going into uh, at least for next year. Yeah, and there's a lot of injuries, but you know this team has all this has signed a lot of offensive linemen. You know, you see guys on the sidelines like Durante Bolden. You know, I, I noticed him on the sidelines yesterday, and I'm thinking, here's a big kid who's been in the program for about three years now. Why is he hardly not getting any snaps? Like, why is it that we have to? And this is nothing against these guys, but, you know, Sean Rawlings and Robert Conyers, I actually like them. I think they're fine linemen, and I think they do a good job, but, you know, we're plugging gaps by moving players all over the place, and, you know, it makes you wonder, like, why do we have these depth problems that when we get a few injuries, we don't know what to do? I mean, again, is it an issue of poorly evaluating talent, poorly putting players in a position to succeed? Is it just an issue of, you know, maybe sometimes guys aren't ready at this next level? I don't know. I just find it so curious that we've recruited fairly well on the offensive line and yet a few injuries seem to doom us every year there. It's certainly, you know, a head scratcher there. You have five-star Mr. Everything, Greg Little, who, who has looked fine at times. Uh, he, he's a true freshman. He's going to have his lumps, but he's looked okay. Uh, but as a unit, uh, it's, it's been a struggle. And like you said, Bob, I mean, the, the injuries kill you. I, I understand that, but you can't always blame the injuries. Um, you can't always blame inexperience or, or youth. Uh, there are plenty of teams across the country that play young players, and, 
and they are able to execute and to move the football. At some point, you're going to have to look in the mirror and stop blaming, you know, the other elements and and, and the injuries, and have to look and say, well, maybe we need to make a change on the staff. So, um, and speaking of changes on the staff, let's go back and talk about that defense. Uh, this was a, a unit that has struggled all season long, and they continued that trend by making the, I think, 120th ranked offense in the country. Uh, made them look like uh, the New England Patriots. So, um, yeah, guys, it, it was it was just an all-around just shit show. Yeah, I mean, I think I saw that the 38 points Vanderbilt scored is the most uh, a Vanderbilt team under Derrick Mason has scored in a conference game since he's been there. Um, and and then you've got you know Kyle Shermer who's you know, he's not a good quarterback. He's thrown coming into last night he had thrown five touchdown passes all season. Last night he throws two. Uh, they had this one particular drive. They had receivers who. <laughs> I don't think they had made – They all three of them made these ridiculous diving circus-like catches. One guy – I remember one guy probably jumped higher than he's ever jumped in his entire life. And and, it, and it, all of those guys basically uh, against an Ole Miss de- – uh, the Ole Miss defense allows them to set career and personal bests because um, that's, how, that's how bad they are. They, that offense has struggled all year. And all of a sudden, they just it all clicks for them. And they didn't also it didn't take them you know ten games all of a sudden to figure everything out. It's there's a reason it worked last night, and it's it's the Ole Miss defense. They just like you know we I know we just keep saying it over and over again, but they're just they're not good. They didn't get better with like like I think at least I thought for sure they would slowly get better as the year went on, but they have not. And if anything, they're I don't know. I can't tell if they're just as equally bad or they're getting worse. But um, but anyway, yeah, they do that, and uh, that's that's how you give up 38 points to the 120th ranked offense in America. Bob, there's been rumors uh, going around on the message boards that you've uh, been contemplating wanting to relocate to the South, possibly. Have you put in your application to be the defensive coordinator at Ole Miss? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I like to run a uh, pretty basic 4-3 scheme uh, built around linebackers. Uh, you know, I, I ask my outside linebackers to do a lot of disguise blitzing and pass rushing. Uh, and, you know, you got to have a talented rush edge end. But, uh, you know, if, uh, give me a few years to recruit those kind of guys, and I think we can make this happen. Yeah, so I have. It's in there. That's on my resume. It's in my cover letter. It's really nice. I think that's not that's, – that's, that's a pretty solid, solid hire, uh, you have ties to the South and to the DMV area, you know, now that you've, you've been all over the place, I think you, you would be able to re- recruit elite talent once you uh, get settled in and get your scheme established. I, I think that's not a bad, bad idea. Yeah. And Jimmy Sexton's my agent. So I'm going to get paid like $5 million. It's going to be great. Hey, I'm fine with that. Or, or at least take half of Hugh Freeze's salary and, and, and then you can just make that your salary. I think that's a good move. Financially, on the uh, on the shutdown full cast, they were saying like, who's definitely getting a raise this off season for no reason? And they were like, probably Hugh Freeze because he seems to get one every off season for, you know, can't say last year was for no reason, but like he's probably getting a raise anyway, right? Yeah, yeah never, they, never, ne- never discount the powers of Jimmy Sexton. The man is a wizard, and he will get uh, anybody and everybody money, whether regardless of 
they they deserve it or not. <laughs> well, then that just that just means that Ole Miss needs to hire Jimmy Sexton as their defensive coordinator because then he can give all the recruits money, huh? Yeah, we got. Yeah, I'm I'm for that. We need to. Uh, apparently, we're not giving we're not giving them enough money. So, uh, because. <laughs> all those awesome players that everybody says we're getting, I, I don't, I don't really know where they are. But so maybe we need to uh, get, bring Jimmy in and let him up the uh, the handouts. I, I think we could at least, Bob, you could bring him in as a linebackers coach. Um, I think he has a he has a way of getting people fired up and getting what they want. Um, so yeah. Linebackers usually want to make tackles and get sacks, so I think that that could be a good personnel move for you. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, it is a bit baffling that Ole Miss has struggled to recruit uh, really on the defensive side in general, but linebackers, you know, it's, Ole Miss has done a fair job of recruiting on the defensive line, not a great one, and there's a lot of young defensive backs that are promising. I think both the Jalians, Jalens, Julius, and uh, Jones, and uh, I think Deontay Anderson, I think those guys are going to be good in time. Uh, but it, it is a bit, again, it's really strange that Ole Miss has really struggled to recruit linebackers. And, you know, you can talk about guys that were committed to Ole Miss, like Leo Lewis and signed somewhere else. You can talk about guys like Mike Juarez, who Ole Miss put a lot of stock in and lost to UCLA. But every year it seems like Ole Miss is in good with a, with a blue-chip linebacker, and then they end up signing elsewhere. You know, it's uh, a defensive scheme that at least, until this year looks promising, and if you're a Mike linebacker, you could play a lot, and and uh, you could start as a freshman. So it, it is pretty strange that Ole Miss has struggled there. So uh, moving on to uh, I guess the one or two bright spots uh, that that happened uh, yesterday, I think we can all agree that that Evan Ingram deserves better. Um, the guys basically I think 50 yards away from breaking a thousand for the season um started out slow but had six catches for 102 yards and then had a ridiculous catch for that touchdown uh pulled up lame not sure if it's a hamstring or if it was a cramp but at this point it's just almost a joke it just how everything is just going to hell in a handbasket for Ole Miss with the injuries and then you're losing to Vandy and then your best offensive player pulls up lame uh just just sucked um hate it for him if he's going to be out for the egg bowl hopefully it was just a cramp or maybe just a little tweak of a hamstring but um you you know give me y'all's take on his season and and coming back and how it's really benefited him for his for his draft stock for the nfl i think he uh when when kelly was a quarterback they had a you could tell they had a really nice connection um and it allowed him to, I guess, show off how he can work and, and I guess, the short to intermediate routes. Um, I think he looked really good in those. Uh, I mean, and like you said, I, I feel awful if he misses the Egg Bowl um, because he has – it was nice to see him have a, such a good year after, uh, you know, sort of, I guess, flirting with what going to the NFL, and he comes back and and it, it, it pays off for him. Um, you know, he said, I guess my only really – criticism of him is that it seems like uh in in every big game at least this year he's had one uh really unfortunate drop that it hurt us in a big way but but other than that i thought he's been fantastic um 
and he and you know it was nice to see too with with Chad out that he uh that you know he and uh Shay sort of have have developed some sort of uh rapport with each other I guess you'd say uh but uh you know I think I guess we'll find out next year how much we really miss him um because uh, you know, he's just been one of those guys that's been there forever, and still it seems like forever. He's taking, I guess, we take him for granted now. But I, I think that will be next year. We will, will better understand uh, how much we really, really uh, <laughs> need him. Bob, any thoughts you know, on uh, Ingham's Ingham's career? The, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think that he's got potential to be a higher round draft pick. I mean, I wonder if people, I mean, he's not a true tight end, right? So he'll sort of be that flex. If you're going to use Jimmy Graham as the example, that sort of position, Um, you know, I wonder how much uh, NFL franchises actually value that position, but either way, he's going to find himself on an NFL roster. So uh, he's been, he's been great for Ole Miss and I would hate it if last night was his last game in an Ole Miss uniform. That would be uh well, it'd be it'd be rather appropriate given the way the season's gone, but it'd be pretty upsetting nonetheless. The the other lone bright spot, Shea Patterson, um, despite all of the carnage and the chaos that was at the offensive line and the drops the receivers made, uh, he still had a pretty good game. Over 200 yards, uh, had two touchdowns. He was scrambling, running around, making things happen. Uh, that's what you want to see. That's what Ole Miss really brought him in for was that dual threat. Uh, but if we factor in the drops, uh, let's say the number was 12. Uh, I mean, his his completion percentage drastically goes up. It goes from 20 of 42 to, you know, maybe 32 of 42, probably over 300 yards, and then maybe a touchdown or two. Um, not that there were touchdowns dropped, but, I mean, as you talked about, Bob, I mean, they just couldn't extend drives because of drops. And, um it's just, it, it was backbreaking, um, and we and we got to see it in person, uh, and it was just, it, it was the knife was being twisted in our side slowly uh, to to see the offense just dwindle away. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's, uh, I think that's it. Unless uh, either one of you guys have uh, any other bright spots that I missed, uh, other than Evan Ingram and Shea Patterson. Uh, here's a bright spot. I'm, this is a very scenic drive I'm on right now, and I'm about to go to a crystal in, uh, Bristol, Virginia, and, uh, eat until I hate myself. Well, that's, yeah, it's hard to that's, top that bright, hard to top that bright spot. I, 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 other than, I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't trade spots with you just because of the driving, but, uh, eating crystal until you're nauseous is always a treat. That is, yeah, that is a solid part, plan. I do that. I mean, after I do that, I still have about 350 miles until I'm in D.C. So, like, do I want to be, like, on the verge of vomiting for 350 miles? We'll see. We'll see if I can handle it. That that can't be any worse than what uh, we had to endure last night um, because uh, it's one thing to lose and lose handily, but it's another thing when grown Vanderbilt fans, uh, grown men are, are, are talking – shit to you and you can't say anything back they didn't like you they didn't like you one bit my dude yeah i was i was i was getting my hollering on and and they didn't they didn't really care for it i don't know why um but i mean you think well, that they, they probably, were scoring all those they're probably they're scoring all those, to, 
scoring all those dead gum points, you think they would have just laughed. <laughs> but well, they're probably used to like complete silence at their games, you know, or not a complete silence, but sort of a hushed, like a golf tournament atmosphere. And then you bring in the one guy who's, you know, you, you know, you know, when the guys, you know, <laughs> hit the drives, they, they, you know, they start screaming immediately or, or the on long putts, you know, the guys that scream, you know, get in the hole. And so basically I think you were that guy at a golf tournament and they didn't, they didn't appreciate that. Yeah, I was I was the guy who was escorted out of the Ryder Cup for yelling uh, at uh, people, but I wasn't escorted out of this game. Uh, but yeah, so I, th- there was a gentleman that was telling me that my language was offensive, and I told him that hey, I paid thirty whole American dollars to to see this game, so I'm going to get my hollering in. Um, so that, that that seems like a good place to just end this. So um, y- you know, we we can all uh, return, uh, to our, to our dark, dark holes in our home to let this game just drift away. Uh, Bob, I hope that you, you enjoy your crystal. I, I, I hope you don't vomit in your car because that would be a lot to clean up and a hassle and it would just extend your trip. Uh, so I hope that you make it okay. Well, you know, I, I already, I'm, I'm not feeling so hot because I'm trying to find this place. You know, Bristol is on the border between Virginia and Tennessee, and I just crossed back into Tennessee, and now I find myself on what is called Volunteer Boulevard. So this is kind of a bullshit situation. Get out. Get out. Get out. <laughs> so I do not want to run. Volunteer run. Boulevard. Yeah. <laughs> Abandon ship. Please, yeah, God, that's, <laughs> damn it, that's a that's a Vandy joke. Damn, God, all right, well, <laughs> yeah. Just fitting, just fitting that uh, uh that we make a uh that we make a abandoned ship joke. But anyway, uh, this has been the uh, Sunday Hangover edition of Podcast Rebellion, and uh, we 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 want to thank Ghost for for joining us in his trek back to his home, uh, up there with all the libtards. Um, Ghost, appreciate it, man. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, man. Totally, totally. And uh, Gray, pleasure as always to rant and rave about Ole Miss football with you, my friend, on uh, this lovely Sunday afternoon. It's how it's how I stay sane through the week. Yeah, and and it's a short week at that, so at least we we, we will be able to enjoy that. So for Ghost, for Gray, I'm Zach. This has been Podcast Rebellion. I hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving. Eat lots of food. It'll soften the blow when Mississippi State runs all over Ole Miss on Saturday at the Egg Bowl. So for that, we will talk to you later. And, hey, maybe we'll get Stingray on the podcast this week. Who knows? But it'll be lit. So we out. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.